We want to be a church that reaches out to the community. In fact, what I'm going to talk about tonight is very much along those lines. But first, let me say this, that the gesture you made, it may, you may not think it's a very big thing, you just coming here and sitting in a pew, but it, it actually, that small gesture, the, the life with God is very much about small gestures. You know, God is the one that does all the work. He is the, ultimately the one that seeks us. And it's only the smallest gestures, really, that are needed for us to respond to God's call. And maybe it was hard for you to be. Maybe you had to drag yourself out to be here tonight. Well, I want you to know that just you being here is an act of worship. You getting in the car, you being bothered to actually come out. It's a demonstration. It's a demonstration. I often refer to this as like a public demonstration. People have public demonstrations when they are wanting to say something about something that is really important to them. People demonstrate over all sorts of issues, but this is the most important thing. And when you come out and you're, you're a part of this, you are publicly demonstrating what is the most important thing in life. You are saying that my relationship with God and what God is doing in the world is the most important thing. And it's not just the once-off by which we demonstrate this. It's actually the regularity. God calls us into a regular life of prioritizing Him before anything else. And when we establish that, when we put that in place, it's, it makes it possible for everything else to fall in place uh, as well. So I just, I want to really uh, affirm and recognize that even you being here tonight, you may not thought that gesture was important, but God sees this gesture. You are part of something, and you are part of something amazing because God is doing something in the world today, and you don't want to miss out on it. The most important thing that is happening in the world today is what God is doing in and through people's lives. You must live your life with purpose. Do not live your life in a little lifestyle cocoon like everyone. You need to step out into God's purpose, into the open space of God's purpose, because it's the most important thing happening in the world today. I'd like to read you a scripture that talks about the central aspect uh, of God's purpose. What is most important to God? What is most important to God? Well, this is something that God expressed to us when he came to us in Jesus Christ. We see in Jesus Christ the character of God. We see who God is, and we see what is most important to God. And in Luke chapter 15, there are three parables that demonstrates this so beautifully. Now, in that chapter, in the second half of that chapter is the very famous parable of the prodigal son or the lost son about a young man that leaves home and he takes his early inheritance and he goes off and, and uh, he squanders all his money. And then when he realizes he's done the wrong thing, he, he, he comes home to his father expecting, you know, oh, so what are you doing back here? You're, so you think you can come, just come back and waltz back? No, and, but we see the heart of God in the response of the prodigal's father, the way that he embraces him and welcomes him back home with such joy. That story, a very famous story, I encourage you, if you've never read it before, it's in the Gospel of Luke. There are four Gospels in the, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, please read it. I'm going to read to you from the start of that, of that chapter. This is the parable of the lost sheep. And uh, this is what Jesus says. He says, 
Uh, and, and it gives a little bit of context first. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. And these tax collectors and sinners, these are like the real outsiders. These guys are used to being shunted off by everyone. No one ever, ever wants to speak to these people. But they have somehow got the message from Jesus that they were welcome to come into his presence. Somehow they got the message from him. He didn't spurn them, but he welcomed them. And so because they're not used to this in that very religious society, in a society uh, where these sorts of people and tax collectors were cor inevitably corrupt officials, and, uh, and then the rest of these people, they were used to being shunted off and ostracized from religious society. And yet there was such a spiritual hunger. And yet they were, in fact, more spiritually hungry than anyone else, because they of all people knew how much they needed what Jesus had come to bring, and that was forgiveness and grace. They of all people knew that when we try to be the gods of our own life, we make a mess of it. And so they got the message from Jesus that they were welcome. And I just want us to note that, because it, I think that is so important that what was true of Jesus needs to also be true about the church of Jesus Christ. That people can know that this is, this is a place where, this is a place and this is a people who will welcome us with open arms. I often say, anyone can come and you don't have to change anything to come to Jesus. But when you come to Jesus to put your life in his hands, where our lives belong, by the way, in God's hands, you need to know that everything is always gonna change. <laughs> if you put your life in God's hands, everything is going to change. But don't try and change anything. We do not demand that anyone changes anything. We say, come, open invitation. Wouldn't it be great? If the world around us, in its spiritual hunger, and I do believe there is a spiritual hunger in the world uh, around us today. There's a spiritual hunger because we live in a very flat society. We live in a society that is very shallow in many respects. And people are suffering from a kind of spiritual starvation because no one ever talks about spiritual things anymore. And it causes a deep, deep spiritual loneliness, a spiritual hunger and I love sitting with people and talking about spiritual things. I, I lead a, 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 a men's group, and, and I, uh, I'd lo love to invite you all, but it's actually in Marganite Prison. And uh, I just a bit of, I want to give a shout out uh, to those guys because they do, if this message, which it may go on, goes on radio, uh, they do listen to 96.3 every Sunday morning. And so big shout out to my boys uh, at, uh, at Marganite Prison. I uh, wish you could be here with us, but for obvious reasons, you can't. Um, now, uh, one of the things that I say to these guys is, you know, what we're doing here when we sit around and we talk about spiritual things, and it's so good, like we sit around and everyone's leaning in, they're really into this big, deep spiritual conversation. And at times I just pause and I say, do you guys realize how countercultural this actually is? Like people don't do this in our society. But we need to do this because this is the most important thing. You could not be talking about any more important thing. And to see how these guys light up as we lean into the things of God and dig deeply and remind ourselves of what is most important, man, there is a spiritual hunger in our society. 
particularly amongst those who know that they can't play God in their own life, particularly amongst those who know that they need forgiveness and grace, that they need God to be their God. And if that's you tonight and you're here and you're exploring faith, you're in the right place because this is a recovery community. We've all got lots of problems in this house. This is a recovery community. Foundation 61, which is a a, a drug and alcohol uh, rehab that's um, a partner in mission of our church, they talk about life-controlling issues. Let me tell you, we've all got life-controlling issues, every single one of us. And the church is a recovery community, not for healthy people, but for sick people, because we've all got problems. That's the Christian message. (laughs) The Christian message. The great news is we've all got problems, and God welcomes us all. He came to us in Jesus Christ to forgive us for all the senses in which we got it wrong, for all of the wreckage we created. He forgives us unconditionally. If we will just accept his forgiveness, we can come back to him and be reconciled to God and let him be God. Man, that's a good idea. I highly recommend you letting God be God rather than you playing God. That is good news, folks. Every single one of us has the opportunity to do that. And Jesus is speaking in, I've only really covered, what, two verses, but I I will get on to the rest in a moment. But think about this. There are people here who are ostracized by religious people who felt shut out. Because these people believed that they were righteous, they had no problems, and these people out there, they were the ones with all the problems. We don't want you bringing your problems in here. And Jesus is going to resoundingly correct that. Because actually it's the people on the inside, therefore, that had the biggest problem of all. There's no bigger problem than self-righteousness. No bigger problem. No, if you've got problems, we want you here because we feel better about ourselves when other people that have got problems come too, because we are reminded, oh, thank goodness, I'm not the only one with the problem. I mean, if you've got problems, please join this community so that I can share this journey with someone else that's got problems, because it really encourages me, because God is looking to get hold of lives of people who want to be transformed. And this is what we see as this, uh, as this goes on in Matthew chapter 15. Then Jesus told them this parable to get this through to them. He says, listen, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders And he goes home and then he calls his friends and his neighbours together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And of course, Jesus knows very well and we're told again and again and again, there actually is no one who is perfectly righteous. He's talking about people who think that they are righteous. This is, this is the disposition of God here. And the people that he's talking to, these religious people, they should always have known this because it was always God's plan to reach out and gather people in. It was never God's plan that the people of God form a kind of closed, enclavish community, like a little walled city, 
where we sit back on a hill and we just wag our finger at the world. Unfortunately, Christians have a bad reputation for that. Now, I know it's all beat up on the media, and don't you just love the way the media just focus on all the bad examples? Uh, and, and it, you know, actually, you know, I don't know many people like that, but that's the impression that's out there, and nothing could be further from the essence of what Christianity should be than that. How can we ever judge anyone because we all share the same problem? And that's why we have this thing. That's why we do this. And God is looking to draw people back to himself so that when people's lives are repositioned in relationship with him, lives can begin to be transformed as they're placed in God's hands. And it was always the plan, right from the, going right back to Abraham when God started his plan with one man, it became one nation, then it became, went out to all the, all the world. And he said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all the ends of the earth. He says again and again through the prophet Isaiah, you are a light to the nations, you people. God's people, God's household. Listen, you are to be a light to the nations. And Jesus picks this up in Matthew chapter five when he says this. He says to his people, to these people that kind of know the truth but are just holding on to it and feeling just really self-righteous about it. He says, listen, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And yet it had got to this point where the very people that needed it the most were ostracized, felt ostracized. And Jesus comes to turn that around. And basically he's saying, listen, I never intended that you were to build walls. What I want you to do is build bridges, not walls. You can, you, do you know you can use the same truth, the same convictions, because I know there are people that say, oh, we need to stand up for the truth and our convictions. Well, yes, that's true. I'm not talking about watering down anything of what we believe and hold sacred. But here's the thing. Out of the same material, the same truth material, you can build a wall or a bridge. Just like you can use timber and stone. You can build a wall or you can build a bridge. Now, God wants us to use this truth to build a bridge. He wants us to build a bridge, not a wall. But I think our tendency, our natural tendency, this is why we have to be so intentional about this. Our natural tendency is to separate ourselves off from other people into little walled cities like imagine the ancient world with all its little walled cities on all the mountaintops and everyone fighting with each other. We can be a little bit like that. We set ourselves off from other people. We think, oh, I've got the truth and I'm, we're even angry and frustrated at the people. I, talk, I, I feel like a lot of 
A lot of Christians today are just angry and frustrated with the world around them. Oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Look at all that terrible stuff that's going on out there. And they're just angry and frustrated at the world. And so we kind of withdraw into these walled cities and we just throw these kind of truth hand grenades over the the top of the wall and explode. Take that. That's the truth. You know, and, and then we wonder why we're so offensive to people. Because when we, see, this is what happens when you withdraw into enclaves. You know what happens? We start to speak a dialect that only we can understand. There are towns in Europe where because they lived in such different, these little little towns and often kind of walled towns in the old days, and they only ever spoke to each other in that town over essentially centuries, a dialect forms. So only they can understand what they're even talking about. My, uh, my father's from a city in, in Germany called Cologne, a very old city in Germany called Cologne. And obviously, they really stuck to themselves because the Kölsch dialect uh, is completely different to the dialect of the people that live right just across the river, for goodness sake. It's a completely different dialect. You can't even understand what they're talking about. Why? Because they always just spoke amongst themselves. Oh, we don't speak to them. And see, as Christians, we can become like that. If we're just always speaking to ourselves, or we've got the truth and we're just, you know, confirming that with each other and we're just talking to ourselves, we start to talk a language that no one else in the world around us can understand. But this truth, this revelation that God has brought, this good news, it's actually for them. We're meant to be speaking it to them. But we've formed this dialect that we don't know how to do this because we never do. And then we shut up even more because we oh, I don't even know how to, oh gee, I don't, wouldn't even know how to explain my father. What if someone asks me about that thing? Or what if someone confronts me? What if... Because we never talk about it, we are even more reluctant to talk about it because it's like we've formed our own little dialect. I call that a big fail. Now, I'm not here to beat us all up. I mean, a little bit. It's okay for us to beat ourselves up a little bit, right? Because a good bit of healthy self-criticism is good uh, for Christians. So if you're just exploring faith here today and, and, and you're visiting, and, and just excuse me for a while, I beat up on the Christians uh, a little bit. But, you know, I always say one of the biggest problems with the church is that there are too many Christians in it. Because we're meant to be an open community, an open community of people exploring and coming to faith, and, and I believe that's possible. In fact, it's increasingly, it's increasingly the case. Uh, and it's been wonderful to see many, many people coming and exploring faith and, and, and rediscovering, you know, the depths of, their, of, of, of their, their true identity in God. I mean, it's amazing, right? And the more that happens, the more I'm reminded, the more I'm reminded, oh, this is what we exist for. <laughs> we exist for the lost sheep. So let's not withdraw into little communities. And let's be really different to the world around us because right now there is an epidemic in our society of people fragmenting off into little walled cities, aren't there? It's the little opinion groups. You know, it's, it's all the, oh, this group think this and these guys think that. And it's all, you know, it's always around politics and society and social critique, all, all of this sort of stuff, right? It's, it's all the relatively shallow stuff, right? Because... When you get to the deep truths of God, you're getting 
into something much more fundamental and universal. But, you know, at the, at, the, at the sort of level of politics and all the level of just issues and, you know, I mean, you're facing these insoluble, humanly insoluble problems and, uh, you know, everyone's got different opinions on how to solve these problems. It's not that those things aren't important. They are important. But, you know, it's amazing. Today, we live in a culture of opinions. Everyone has their opinions. And do you notice how vehemently people argue for their opinions? I think this, and it's amazing. Everyone's 100% certain that what they think, what their solution is, what their opinion is, everyone's 100%. Man, we are a society full of absolute geniuses. Because a lot of, a lot of, a lot of this is so incredibly complex. And, you know, people ask me, so what do you think? What's your position on this issue? And they're kind of surprised when I say, oh, man, it's such a complex issue. I just, I, you know what, I, this is really profound. Let me, let me, um, I make a decision. This is countercultural. I make a decision, even though naturally I'm a very proud person. And I would like to think that I know more than the other person. I make this decision to show something, I wonder if you've ever called, if you've ever heard of this. It's a big thing in the Bible. It's called humility. Have you ever heard of that? It's a big thing in the Bible. Apparently, Jesus is really into it, and apparently, he wants us to be really into it. And humility means that you may not know as much you think as you think you know about all of those issues. And the problem is, is that. We're, we're not going out into the world with opinions. You just might need to take your opinions and put them in your back pocket for a moment because what the world needs is not another set of opinions, folks. What the world needs is your testimony. Not, not an opinion that you've jumbled together in your head from watching a few YouTube clips. I mean, you know, I'm sure you're, you do it more intelligently than that. But not just another opinion, but a testimony that has been planted in your heart by God being at work in your heart. You have a first-hand knowledge and experience of the transforming power of God if you are a Christian. Even if you're just exploring faith, you're only exploring faith because God the Father is drawing you to himself. And you have a first-hand knowledge of the good news that God is in the business of forgiving and drawing and transforming lives. That's not just an opinion. That's a testimony. And what this world needs is a testimony. What this world needs is people who are willing to shine that light. The light is in you. Unfortunately, I think that can get drowned in all of the noise of opinions. And No, let's put all of that down. Put that in the back pocket. You may or may not be right about that. But one thing we know, one thing I know, I know that God is at work reconciling people to himself through Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's happened to me. And so I make the choice. Everything else I'll put in the background. But this is the message that I live for. See, the misconception that I spoke about before, the misconception that people have about Christians, do you know 
that even if they've seen a hundred bad examples on whatever, the media or whatever, even if they've seen a hundred bad examples, it only takes one encounter, one personal relationship with a Christian who truly shines a little bit of the light of Jesus. And that, those hundred bad examples can be wiped away. That's how impacting one personal example can be. Folks, if we don't change the misconception, how is it going to change? As long as you keep your light, as Jesus says here, hidden under a bowl, people are going to think, oh, what's going on under there? Like there's something really weird going on behind those walls. People are just going to think you're weird. I mean, maybe you are weird. I don't know. I mean, all power to you if you are, but whatever. Like, We need to bring down the walls. We need to pull the lid off the light. And we need to be willing to be bold about that. You know, an illustration that I've used before, and, and I want to finish with this tonight, because this is, this is how I've thought about it in relation to myself. You know, we can think, Oh, there's so many misconceptions about Christian. It's not really massively cool these days to be a Christian. So I'm just going to downplay that. You know, I, 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 I want people to like me. And, uh, and so it's, it's like there's lots of great stuff in here to share. Well, like, There's so much great testimony. It's like a, a shop full of really, really good stuff. But what we do in our fear, we pull down this big metal roller door over the top because we just... We, we feel like it might get damaged. Ooh, I might get damaged. And then we hide it behind this big metal roller door. And we just, we're just hiding in this space that God actually wants to shine out from and draw people into. And actually, in some ways, the pathway forwards... And let me make a really practical suggestion. My practical suggestion is not initially about doing something, it's about not doing something. My initial practical suggestion is to stop hiding, stop pulling down the roller door. I'm suggesting to you tonight that you just be honest and open. Just be honest and open. I mean, you talk to each other about, presumably, I hope you do, you talk to each other about faith stuff, why don't you talk to other people about faith stuff? Pull up the roller door, for goodness sake, because the light wants to get out. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes and the more you enjoy it. You know, it's so enjoyable. It's so enjoyable to have faith conversations in today's culture when no one does that. But people, you know, people really want to. People are really hungry because of the flatness of our society. Believe me, people really want to talk about deeper spiritual things, not just opinions and, you know, like just, they, they want to go. There's a hunger for something deeper. And we need to be willing to pull up that roller door. Now, the roller door gets a bit jammed. Um, when you leave it, you know, if you leave a, a roll, one of those metal roller doors and you leave it down, it's, it gets really jammed. <laughs> And, and it starts even to rust into place. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like, oh, man, I've been so jammed up. I'm, like, I would not even know where to begin. You know, maybe you need a bit of help tonight for God to help you pull up that roller door. 
And I want to pray for you tonight that God would give you an opportunity just for a little bit of boldness, just for a little bit of boldness. It's one step at a time, folks. It's one step at a time. Don't think that, you know, tomorrow you need to go out there and plant 100 churches. Just be a little bit open. Just pull a little crack, let a little light out. So what would you get up to on the weekend? Uh, 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 oh, nothing? I, I went to church and it was great. I mean, I hope you think it was great. <laughs> it is great. Because we're doing something here that is actually amazing. Like, you've got to understand how amazing this is. I mean, I know we take it for granted. This is amazing. So just be open about it. Just be open. Let out a little splinter of light and then a little bit more and a little bit more. Pull it up a bit, a bit more, a bit more and a bit more. And you will find one of the most enjoyable things about life is sharing the light of God in a dark world. And when you live for that, your life has purpose and the joy of God will be all over your life, guaranteed. So, why don't you stand with me tonight? And I'm going to ask God tonight for every single one of us in this room that he would give us that opportunity, that opportunity just to be a little bit honest, small steps, just that right place, the right time, the right conversation, Father, today, we make ourselves available to you, Lord God. Lord, you want your name to be lifted up. You want people to know what you're doing in our lives. Lord, you want to shine your light and you want to shine it through us. So, Father, I ask for every single person in this room, Lord, that you would Give us the opportunity in some situation, in however small a way, Lord, to shine a little bit of light, to open up the lid, to point to something deeper and more important. Father, today we make ourselves available to you. You do the work, Lord God. We just need to be available. And so we say today, Lord, we will go. We make ourselves available. We want to serve you. Work through us, we pray. Let's respond together with this song.